Today's show is brought to you by Jubilee Hall Gym, Covent Garden. Need an effective workout using state-of-the-art equipment in the heart of London's West End? Then visit Jubilee Hall Gym on the corner of Covent Garden, where you can also check out the gym sauna, as well as a whole host of great fitness classes. Join the best gym in central London, with memberships starting from just £14.98 a week. Find out more at jubileehallgym.co.uk or telephone 0207 836 4007 to work out at Jubilee Hall Gym, Covent Garden. And so here we are in June, everybody, on the Two Guys on Fitness podcast. You're joining me, Alan Teresa. I'm here at Jubilee Hall Gym, Covent Garden, with a very good friend of mine, my fellow podcast person, guy, personal trainer, Julian Bertherat. How are you, Julian, on this wonderful June day? Hello, Alan. Hello, everyone. Yes, it is uh, a good time to be at the gym at the moment. The sun is out most of the time, and uh, and we know that at Jubilee Hall, when the sun is out, well, we can see it from our gym floor. So, yeah, it's all good. Well, that's lovely, isn't it? And for those uh, who are joining us, perhaps for the first time, the Two Guys on Fitness podcast is all about health, fitness, and exercise. We tend to do a mixture of interviews and exercises, which you might want to try yourself at home or in the gym if you go to the gym yourself and we also take some listener questions so what are we doing this month julian because i believe this is another one of your episodes where you are in conversation with personal trainers talking about the business of personal training i like to talk to personal trainers and um, and i did uh, with uh, a new interview with matt dale a personal trainer himself it's always nice to interesting and uh, learning process to hear from uh, other people who do the same job uh, as me. And um, and I thought this interview was uh, uh, special because obviously we are all special as individual. And uh, yeah, I think you will uh, enjoy listening to what Matt have to say about his personal training philosophy and also his experience with the job itself. Indeed. And if you are potentially interested in a career in personal training or understanding what personal trainers might be able to do for you if you are starting out on your fitness journey or perhaps you're already on it but you would like some professional support, then this series is designed to help you to understand what benefit you can get from working with a personal trainer and how a personal trainer can add some technical support as you exercise. So, shall we have a little listen to what Matt has to say and then we can have a quick chat on the other side of the interview? Let's do this. Yes, let's. Hi everyone, I'm here today with Matt Dale, who is a personal trainer at Jubilee Hall. So tell me Matt, how long have you been a PT and how did you get started? So um, I qualified in summer of 2013 is when I got my uh, level two and level three uh, CYQ certifications uh, to be both a fitness instructor and personal trainer. Um, how I kind of got into fitness, um, I didn't really start to show any kind of care or interest in my own state of health until I was probably my early to mid 20s, which I think is probably quite late compared to many, many who are in this industry, I think, probably start in their earlier years, maybe late teens, something like that. So I was a bit late to the party. Um, and I don't remember there being a particular instance that led me to decide that something needed to change. I think it was more of a general buildup of a feeling that I wasn't happy in my own skin. Um, I think I caught a sight of myself in a mirror one too many times. I just wasn't happy with what I was seeing. And I realized that unless I actually did something different to what I was doing, nothing was going to change and if anything it would just get worse i started doing some kind of working out at home i've got a few bits of equipment uh, no real structure or proper idea of what was good technique or how much i needed to do or anything like that and then i started following some kind of online uh, streaming workouts um from a group called uh live exercise run by body Elastics was the company and they manufacture a bunch of different um patented resistance bands which uh, i now own several sets of uh, which i use for home use and mobile training stuff like that and i started following their workouts and 
they weren't anything particularly fantastical uh, they were fairly straightforward but um the interesting thing was um I started to enjoy the process of working out, but what interested me more perhaps was I started to actually become enthused with learning about this is what this muscle does or this is what happens when I use uh, this part of the body. You know, it's starting to understand, oh, that's why we do this movement because it targets this part of the anatomy. This is what that actually does. So I started to have more of an interest in the function of the body and the muscles, which kind of led me to think, oh, maybe this is something I, I can have an interest in or maybe this is a road I want to. To go down um so we can say that you were like a customer to uh, when you start uh, with the fitness industry and then you became you, you get into the the pt world yeah I, uh, yeah i became the customer uh, or started off as the customer and the fitness bug weirdly stuck and i i started to enjoy the feeling i got from it whether it was a mental thing whether it was a physical thing uh the feeling of being somewhat accomplished learning new skills learning how to control my body better and feeling strong and feeling kind of physically uh, capable is quite a nice feeling to have. So yeah, I guess that really started me off and I started to try and kind of not, not coach, but sort of um, explain to f friends and family what I was doing and why I was doing certain things. And my uh, then fiance, now wife made a comment that oh, you always talk about this stuff really passionately. You clearly really, really enjoy it. You explain it very, very well. And I was in a, a dead-end office job at the time, which I was absolutely hating and wanted wanted a way out, but didn't, uh, on one hand, it was my safety net, so I was afraid to leave. But also I didn't have a plan in mind for what I would do if I decided to leave. I like the, the way you start in a very positive way or you had a positive feeling about it and then you wanted to do this job so it's quite interesting. So tell us about this, um, what was your first client experience like? Yeah, so I had a couple of clients I started with when I began as a fully freelance personal trainer which was in January 2014. Um, I was working out of Ironmonger Road Baths which is one of the better chain gyms and they were just clients I picked up at the gym. There was a, a lead register in the gym and there were several trainers on site and basically Uh, potential leads would leave their names, phone numbers, email addresses, whoever, whatever trainer was around, whoever happened to get to that list first, they would obviously contact the lead and say, hi, I'm Joe Bloggs or whoever, and talk about their interest in training and then call them in for a consultation. How difficult was it to get started and what did you have to do to get uh, established? So getting started wasn't actually that difficult. The uh, school that I qualified through set me up with um, uh, a personal training agency called Your Personal Training. Um, they stationed me. I had a choice between several different gyms to start off in. Uh, the one I chose was Ironmonger Road Baths, which is in Islington. And um, But it was a, a rent basis. The problem is going into this fully freelance i had built no contacts no leads or anything so i was starting from scratch and on, on reflection now it it isn't the way i would have done things if i'd known better because in the back of your mind you're dealing with that stress of oh my god i've got hundreds of pounds to make for rent each month i've got no contacts yet how do i get leads how do i build relationships with people how do i get them to trust me Because knowing how to coach exercise is one thing or knowing your way around the gym is one thing, but learning how to communicate with real human beings, with real lives, jobs, other responsibility stresses and getting them to build their confidence in your product or what it is that you're trying to share is, is a different kettle of fish altogether. And that's something that at the time wasn't really covered in any of the textbooks. It's how do you talk to people? How do you get across your message or your passion? And how do you infuse that in others? It's correct. It's, uh, I would say that uh, I was luckier in a way because I start working for the gym and as a fitness instructor, and it gives you that time without the rent, uh, let's say, um, pressure to, as you just say rightly, just how to communicate with people, to to now your message and to, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, I want, I want, as you say, I want to recommend anyone to start as a freelance. Everyone should start working for a gym, a company. It helps you to get through the, the, the beginning, you know? How would you describe your personal training, your style? I would say that my style is emulating 
uh, certain styles that I've observed in other more experienced trainers who I admire or look up to or respect. I'm very much a fan of the idea that, you know, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. So I'm kind of looking to what's been done before that's been proven to be effective and that most people could benefit from. So, you know, fundamental movement patterns, squat, lunge, hinge, push, pull, you know, doing enough frequency, training with enough intensity, enough volume, and then outside factors such as how much rest people are getting, you know, what's their general kind of dietary behavior like, things like that, and just trying to get as many ducks in a line as possible. So yeah, I, I base my training around the fundamental movement patterns, but I vary up uh, exercise variations according to what do I think the individual in front of me is going to be capable of managing. You know, some people might uh, enjoy the challenge of slightly more complex skill development, uh, which can be very satisfying. Others who are maybe very busy, very stressed individuals, very tired, who don't want to have to think about too many things may do better with exercises where there are uh, where there's lower complexity fewer moving parts to worry about where they can kind of move a little bit more on autopilot so it depends person to person i I use a kind of a general structure a template of training but i vary uh, the specific exercises the amount of volume and the intensities according to the person that's in front of me and the other thing is also learning how to read the room on the day because even the same client from session to session can give off a different energy depending on how other things are going in their life so you have to kind of read the room a little bit and learn how to adjust things on the fly as well so that's another kind of challenge in in our kind of field is there a link between the way you train yourself and the way you train people? Yes, there is. Yeah, I, I would say very much that the way I I train for myself, I kind of, uh, that's very much reflected in the way that I train clients in terms of the general structure of the sessions, the types of exercises I might choose for them. And I know there are probably different thoughts on that. Some people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't train your clients the way you train yourself. And I think it depends on, you know, how the exercises suit their builds, their level of skill competence, their level of comfort, you know, and kind of what they need. So I wouldn't say it's a bad thing that you necessarily train your clients in a similar way to the way you train yourself. But obviously, you may just need to adjust the volume, the intensity, the frequency according to schedule, you know, how well they recover and things like that. So I wouldn't say the structure needs to be massively different, but just obviously bear in mind how much load you're introducing them to, how gradually that's that's happening and the volume of work they're doing and factor in all the other things they have to do in their life. You know, are they recovering well enough to be able to balance all of those responsibilities? And yeah, it's uh, an occasion for me to to say that um, have a look. I will recommend people to have a look to Matt uh, Dale uh, Instagram. Uh, there is, it's very well documented, and you're very much like you put it all on the social media. Your your training uh, video, and also you write it down. People will get a sense of what is the structure of training, and I think it's important. It's um, just kind of on the training and on the stuff you see on my Instagram and stuff. Um, admittedly, it's it's quite probably to a lot of people out there looking in it what i post is going to seem to be quite boring because it's quite repetitive it's a lot of the same stuff it's me doing a lot of the same exercises time and time again maybe with an extra rep here an extra rep there a little bit more load here etc i try to be as analytical about my training as possible and explain why i've chosen that exercise at that time what it is i'm trying to target how i'm doing that sort of what i'm thinking about in terms of the technique how i'm executing it And in the hopes that for those who may be out there who are reading, who might be struggling and not connecting with certain exercises, maybe reading some of the analysis I put down might help them think about their exercises in a slightly different way and may help them to get more from the process. That's what I hope for anyway. No, I agree. I back you up here because it's uh, there is nothing boring. I mean, the fitness uh, training is anyway somehow a bit boring. I mean, for a lot of people, they see that like, uh, and uh, I went there as a sport person. It was hard to get into uh, a certain routine. But as you say, with people like you who try to explain, to bring a, a bit of sense in uh, in this, 
no, I'm sure it helped. And uh, no, it's never boring. Repetitive, yes, but mm. a lot of people we do in life is repetitive. Like, uh, you know, we have shower every day. Yeah, it's exactly. quite repetitive. We have uh, our social meeting, your work meeting. All that is extremely very repetitive and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, uh, as, you, as you say, you, if you can bring some sense to, to all that, I think it's better. So for yourself, do you have any personal training goals for the next few months, years? Um, so right now, um, the current program that I've designed for myself is very much hypertrophy focused or muscle building focused. So uh, picking exercises that specifically target certain muscles very, very well, uh, really trying to be very consistent with my approach, my technique, and uh, just being as consistent with the lifts as possible. So trying to get as much exposure as possible and gradually increasing repetition, strength, and volume over time. Um, longer term, uh, I'm probably going to change my program uh, a little bit. I'd like to reintroduce uh, some some of the more high higher complexity skills that I've previously trained, like the low bar back squat, conventional deadlift, which I enjoyed more from a point of view of just the skill development element of it. Getting to grips with those movements just gives you a feeling of kind of accomplishment, which I enjoyed. So from a skill point of view, I'll, I'll be looking to reintroduce those and perhaps set a goal for myself like, for example, hitting a, a body weight and a half squat or a double body weight deadlift might be a good skill goal to have. So I'll certainly consider setting some sort of goals around uh, that kind of performance. From your point of view, how important is social media and what channel do you use? Yeah, so for social media, I'm on Instagram is probably the one I use the most just in terms of the stuff I post. Um, I do use Facebook, but probably not as actively. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and more locally. So I'm, I'm based in Essex. Um, I'm part of a, a social networking group specific to the Greater West Essex uh, region for an app known as Nextdoor. So there's lots of kind of like local neighbors on there who advertise all manner of things if it's someone needs a gardener or someone needs a cleaner. Um, so I'll often put uh, every week I'll put an advert through there just to tell them who I am, what I do and see if I can kind of uh, get any interest that way. Uh, it is a bit hit and miss. I wouldn't say that social media is all that great for picking up potential new clients or leads. Yes, it can let them know you exist. But I, I think a, a better way, if, you, if you're lucky enough to be able to spend a reasonable amount of time in any kind of gym setting, is use the gym floor. You know, you've got hopefully any number of people on that gym floor at any one time. They're there for a reason, right? They've come there because they want to train. They've come there because they want to get stronger. They want to learn a new skill. They want to make some sort of aesthetic improvement, perhaps. So, you know, don't be afraid to talk to people on the floor. Introduce yourself. Say hi. It doesn't have to be sleazy. Say hi. Say, uh, you know, uh, I was just curious, you know, what, what are you working on? What are you training right now? Um, is there any way I can be of support or help? You know, I'm on the floor. If you have any questions, you know, I'm a really approachable guy. Please come over and ask. I'll do my best to help whenever I'm free. Um, so I think, yeah, just talking to people. And also another little tip I learned from John Goodman, who's the head coach of the Personal Trainer Development Center, is people love helping other people. It makes them feel really good. So if you can talk to members on the gym floor, but in a way as to get them to do something for you, it starts you off on a really good footing because, again, people get a sense of uh, accomplishment or a sense of self um, self-appreciation for helping other people. So it might be a case of a trainer going up to a gym floor member and saying, oh, hey, if you've got a few minutes spare, would you mind helping me out? I'm trying to practice this stretch. Could you be my volunteer and tell me what you think of it? And then it's a good way of getting some feedback and just kind of getting a conversation going. 100% again, agree with you. It's, uh, it's uh, a natural thing to do to meet people and just chat and uh, about anything and as you say it's uh, it always makes you feel good to to help someone else and uh, and the same in return so yeah completely agree of course it led me to this uh, question what is the best and worst aspect about being a personal entrepreneur let's start with the worst like that we can end up with um with the best yeah so the worst definitely is uh, particularly when you're in a operating on a freelance basis 
And if you don't have a good kind of social or support network around you, it can be it can be very lonely, it can be very uh, a, uh, very isolating, very alienating. You know, even today, I I have uh, periods where I deal with crippling self doubt and kind of anxiety and you know those kind of imposter syndrome type feelings where you think, am I really good enough to do this? Um, you know, why is it that I'm not able to? get people to trust in me why is it I'm not able to um you know get people to be confident enough to talk to me or stuff like that so you know I deal with that on a daily basis and I concur because uh, I've been into the business for 15 years and I, I won't say one of the best uh, quality in that business is uh, the communication between people I think it's a very uh, close-up world and especially between personal trainer And uh, I understand that it's not easy to to feel because we are human being. We need to talk. We need to we need to action. And if we don't do, that's where I guess anxiety get in, and you know we make like assumption and stuff like that. So yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, and, and as a PT, if you you know being in a new environment, so um, having moved to Jubilee Hall from my previous setting, uh, I mean I've been here. Uh, coming up to a year now but you know even as a someone who's you know, relatively competent and kind of fairly uh, established moving into a new environment with new faces new people it's like you know you are the new the new fish in the pond again so it's it's that fear of the unknown it's that fear of oh nobody knows me nobody's going to be interested in what I have to say you know what is it that I can offer that you know, the other trainer or Joe Bloggs over there can't offer, and you know, so it's dealing with all of those feelings and trying to convince people that it doesn't need to be flashy or different or new. I'm not here to reinvent the wheel. I'm here to introduce concepts which have been around for a lot longer than I've existed that have worked throughout history and will most likely work for the majority of the clients who walk through our doors. And it's just introducing them to those concepts that maybe they haven't considered before. So after a bit more than 10 years personal training, what surprised you the most? What surprises me the most is how different experiences can be from a gym member to gym member or from PT client to PT client we're all different right we're all different in so many different ways whether it's um age gender profession previous experience previous exercise preconceived notions of what exercise is or what it should be used for um preconceived notions around nutrition or dietary protocols and stuff like that people will have so many different takes on it and every person that you talk to potentially is going to have a different story or a, a different experience and it's learning how to meet that person where they're at and learning what kind of approach does this person need to kind of help them to feel comfortable and confident about embarking on this new um pursuits this health and fitness pursuit and that's again that's something it's very difficult to learn from any textbooks or things like that it's really only something you you kind of gain through experience um what i tend to do these days a lot which i didn't when i first started is instead of uh trying to project my own voice too much and trying to blab about everything that i know to make myself sound more important than i am is now actually showing care in the client and actually for me it's about shutting up and letting them speak and letting them tell their story and listening and not listening to respond or to give an answer but listening to hear their experience and listening to try and identify what it is they need and if you uh, need Uh, needed a reason to book Matt Dale. It's uh, the reason. To, uh, it's a lovely, lovely speech here. Lovely outcome. Um, his experience, as he say, uh, how to reach someone, how to listen, and you've been through these two phase, which is, as you say, uh, the blah blah things, and then, yeah. and then you, and then now you just listen to people, and I can't um, say it enough how 
it's a skill. It's a real skill and it's quite rare when people, trainer, went to that stage, understand that, uh, I know it's crazy to say it, but it's not about them, it's about the, uh, the client. And uh, so definitely uh, an excellent reason to book uh, Matt Dale. So to end up this um, lovely uh, interview, um, tell me, Matt, what's the best way for people to contact you if they want to train with you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, if you uh, search for Matt Dale PT, um, I'm sure it will come up on, on the LinkedIn. So if, if you're already registered on there, you'll find my page on there. So I do put stuff on there occasionally. So um Yeah, you can look me up on there as well. Matt Dale PT one nine eight two. And of course, you often you are on uh, Jubilee uh, social media as well. Uh, so it's another way also to reach Matt. So yeah, thank you, thank you for the interview. I I did enjoy it a lot, and um, and yeah, definitely, Matt, you're not a fraud, so don't even get there. And uh, thank you for your time, and uh, please check out uh, Matt Dale. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you for having me, and everybody out there listening. Thank you for your time uh, also. So that's Julian and Matt Dale there talking their personal trainer talk. Uh, one of the things that came out of that, Julian, um, which I'm going to ask you about, is the fact that a lot of the conversation was about starting as a personal trainer and the early experience of training people. So let me ask you the following questions. How exactly does the career path for personal trainers work? What are the key steps that people need to be aware of if they're thinking of following it as a career? Yeah, so that's actually something I like to talk about because obviously I've been there, like anybody else who does this job. And um, I think it's one of the things, you know, you, you get a certification, a qualification, and you you think that's it, you're ready. I think you're not ready at all, to be honest. It's, uh, I thought that... My first advice would be to find a place you feel confident, like where you train yourself, okay? Um, and then I would say that start working for a gym, okay? Freelance is not a job you do at first, and it's very true for any sort of job. People become freelance when they build up a network. That's how it works. So you don't do freelance right away. Because freelance in the PT world, it's simple, clear, and harsh. It is you have to pay rent upfront every month and doesn't matter how many sessions you do per month. So when you do that, you have to be sure you got like already a network of clients. If you don't, and it's okay because you're new, start working for a gym. Meet people, train them, and I think also do not undermine the simple fact What, that is communicating with other people. Are you able to share a message, to uh, make it under reachable for others? So all those questions, you know, I would say the first thing is definitely to start working for a gym as a fitness instructor. Now, as the first step of that, the certification stage, uh, just how, how long does that take typically? How much can people expect to spend to do it? And is it worth the money? Well, yeah, we can be a bit uh, critical here, uh, rightly, I think. But yeah, I would thought that, uh, so the qualification could, it depends, but because things changed so much over the last 15 years, I would say you can get qualification online now, maybe. You, I will say in my a couple of months, um, it is expensive, yeah, because you need like level two, level three. So it's about, I don't know, three, four grand potentially. You can get subvention uh, from the state, I guess, or you can depend. Uh, but it's um, a good investment. Well, you can't really work without qualification or get insurance. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good investment, but it's a bit like there's no other way around unless you walk out in park, you know, for example, only. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, but um, it's, I don't think it's worth the money because I, when you get the certification, 
Well, there is no guarantee whatsoever you're going to be a successful personal trainer or even a fitness instructor. So yeah, that from that point of view, I don't. I think it's a little bit too expensive. And you touched upon something there as well, which was is about relationship building and client management. From your experience, you've been a personal trainer for a few years. For your experience, how does that work and how much time and effort needs to be invested in that side of the business to make it a success? Well, you have to see things as prag- uh, pragmatic, okay? So basically, um, if you work on a gym, you can do the advantage and you can do back-to-back session. You've got the equipment around and all that. The downside, obviously, as we said earlier, is the rent. So you need... Um, you need clients, not one or two, and you need rather regular clients. So that's an option. Then you can, I have to say, not my thing, but I understand there is an online business going on. From my understanding, we're not talking um, the only one worth it to do. It's not the one training somebody online, like face-to-face, uh, I mean, by, by FaceTime. I'm talking about guidance every week, checking up your food, your workout, stuff like that. But I don't think training someone by two screen, it's uh, make any sense. It's a, you, are, you are here to give a guidance. And I think it's for us, it, in terms of money, it's less money because people will pay less to do that online. And um, it will be more like a, a monthly package. So by definition, uh, much less than if someone is coming to see you on the gym floor. And uh, working out at home, I do that. I will say 15% of my time is uh, on uh, coming to people's home. I like it because uh, you like it, face it as a trainer. A lot of people don't like coming to a gym because it's not personal enough. It's intimidating. And I get that. I get used to working in a gym, but I understand that. And I'm more than happy to come to people's home. I like that. Actually, and there is always a park nearby anyway, so we can. Uh, but yeah, if I, I've been looking, I've always been very busy on the gym floor, so I did not really have to investigate the online things. Um, I should maybe uh, practice um, my online skill and guidance because that's true. There is people who don't really want to either let me come to their place or, or, or the, but yeah, it's, um, I would say 60%, 70 percent, 60% it's on the gym floor and the rest divided between home and online. And do you need a specialism to be a PT? Do you need to bring something, uh, that's unique to your training and your background to offer it on the gym floor or at home to clients? Yeah, I think you need, I think if you want to reach a certain market and to be, to make yourself valuable, you don't want to be like a nobody person. Like you need to bring something. I understood very early in my career that I was one of the rare sports background guy on the gym floor. And I was lucky because of you see another sport person in the world, but it's a, yeah, it's simply in fitness, like very few people from sport background, uh, and I'm talking about professional, semi-professional sport background. Um, I think it's a, it gives you a, a flavor. Uh, you're going to use a different vocabulary. Your perspective, your understanding of physical activity is different. And uh, yeah, uh, back to the question, I think it's important. You need to find what makes you special, reasonably. I think do not get to uh, that question like when you make you feel special it's just like maybe an experience uh, in your life uh, like maybe an injury you overcome um, uh, thing like that you know it doesn't have to be sport necessarily but yeah you should think about what is that story this link you're going to create between you and people and how does the business model work so for example typically a month or a week, how many hours do you have to work with clients to make enough of an income for it to be credible and viable? People will have different uh, sort of um, answer here. And I don't want to say like anybody, some people are right or wrong. From my own perspective, I thought like 
it needs to feel like a job, you know, and uh, I don't think like working 15 hours a week makes you feel like you're actually doing a job. It doesn't matter how much you charge. I think it's, for me, the key number. It's I always like to get uh, very close, if not above 30 hours a week. 30 hours a week is like, for example, during the week, I work seven days a week, but it could be one or two big day. During this one, two big day, you do seven, eight clients. So you understand that you are at 15 hours over two days already, and you need five other days to do 15 hours. So it's only, I already, you know, talking like that, it feels like it's not a big week, uh, but in my sector of activity, it's good, 30 hours. It gives you time to refresh, to do other things, which is important. And uh, yeah, then there's always a way to charge more, I guess. But the more session you do, it's a balance. The more session you do, the more people you meet, they're going to talk to other people and you start creating a kind of power of attraction around you. And I think like nobody wants to be, you have to think like you're not the only one doing the business. And a lot of people have been booked few times, not a lot, but few times like people watching me training other people on the gym floor. If you just work 15 hours a week, I mean, can you imagine, like, people are, don't see you often? So, yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, my, my very personal answer on that is the key number is 30 hours a week. And you talked about training in a park um, against, for example, training in a gym. Just explain how that side of it works. Do you need to train clients at a gym to be successful and the rent that you talked about before, just explain specifically what that means. Well, it's, it's um, I think things change a lot over the last 20 years. I'm being trainer now for 15 years, but I think something shift in uh, gym owner. They realize that they could ask a rent to um, uh, PT. I remember from the... 2012 for the Olympic game, Jubilee all closed and we had to find another places to work for a month. I went to Paris gym in Vauxhall and so it, uh, I'm laughing because I'm remembering the, the rent which was £50 a month and £500 a year. So if there's any other PT listening to this podcast, I repeat, it was £50 a month. So um, it's the main advantage paying your rent is to be able to basically use equipment and also, as I said previously, to do back-to-back session. If my advice is, for example, if you work 10, 15 hours a week, why would you go and pay a fixed rent in a gym why not uh, using a, uh, a training studio, which is most of the time pay as you go, and also uh, you can use a block of, I don't know, 15, 20 entries you use uh, with your client over a month or two, so it's less pressure. If you are willing to pay a gym rent, it's like when you pay a mortgage or, or you pay a, a, a rent at home. You intend to live there every day. It makes sense. So... It is the same for the gym. If you run the gym, it's a seven days a week work. Not crazy work, but every day you show your face, you train people, you talk, you're visible, you're audible. It is how it works because, again, you are not the only one. And finally, what are your tips? What are your top tips, Julian Bertharat, for anybody who is thinking of becoming a personal trainer? Well, I don't know if there's... Uh, a tip above the other tip, but I would just say that if you are not a people person, you will fail because there's always someone who's gonna smile, maybe less knowledgeable than you, less big or less fit from your own perspective, but someone who will be able to basically translate uh, and reach other people and make the, the fitness thing. Uh, more pleasurable and enjoyable. So if you are not a people person, if you got, uh, if you struggle to look at people in the eyes to engage a conversation, it's going to be a hard work for you 
because it is uh, the gym floor is your stage and make sure people will see you when you train someone leave your phone in your pocket engage with your clients uh, talk technique uh, form and other thing you know it's just like uh, basically be just engage okay don't don't be spectator be actor and you want also your client to be actor of, of the process and that's it really that is it really well there you go everybody we hope uh, that was informative for you if you are interested in becoming a personal trainer or perhaps working with one if you want to find out more about matt dale you can do so for example on his instagram we'll put all the details uh, that uh, you need on that in the show notes and we'd just like to say thank you matt for taking the time to sit down and talk to julian about being a personal trainer our very own Alan Teresa has just published his first novel, Adventure About to Begin. It's a family saga from the 1970s and is funny, dramatic and moving. Check it out on Amazon from all good bookshops in ebook and find out more on alanteresa.com. Now, every month on the podcast, as regular listeners will be aware, we take a couple of questions or comments that come to us either through our websites, that's twoguysonfitness.com, or his website, julienbertora.com, or through our socials, and that means our Twitter, our Instagram, our Facebook, and then we have a little chat about the questions that uh, we have pulled out the mailbag uh, for the month. So... This month, I believe I am the first up with our first question. I'm just looking at the sheet of paper in front of me. And it comes from Bambi7. Uh, Bambi7. Uh, what a lovely name. Uh, what a lovely handle, Bambi7. Who has visited our website and asked the following question. Is gym membership worth the price? And how much do you pay? Do you have to be a gym member to get fit? And can you exercise at home and save the money okay this is uh, very much in the context i guess of the cost of living crisis which is clearly very real for a lot of people now julian and i separately are both gym members at different gyms uh, so first of all before you get into the detail on that question julian how much do you pay uh, your gym each month if you pay at all well it's a uh... Thank you, Ben B Seven, if that's your real name. <laughs> so yeah, um, it's for me. It's different because obviously I don't pay a membership. I pay a, a, a PT rent. So uh, I pay eight hundred fifty pounds. Um, so obviously, it's, you can't compare that to um, a membership for a normal person. That's eight hundred and fifty pounds a month, is it? A month, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it it sounds expensive, but it is not if you compare to the market price of the PT rent things. Um, otherwise, I think roughly between uh, a membership could be between fifty to 80, I would say, pound. What about you, uh, Alan? Well, uh, funnily enough, uh, I used to pay uh, about 50 pounds a month, give or take. But now uh, I pay 18 pounds a month. Well, may I ask, where is your membership then for 18 pounds a month, Alan? I'm going to give a little plug to my gym now, uh, which is the Colombo Fitness Centre in Waterloo. And uh, basically, if you live within a certain radius of the gym you get a special rate which is actually it's a bit less than that it's i think 17 pounds 95 a month which is a complete bargain yeah and also if i remember because i've been to colombo i think nearby the gym like next to the gym literally you got basketball pitch tennis uh, pitch and i think you can play also football five against five so it's a kind of an all-around thing, and it's Waterloo, so, you know, very central. Um, yeah, and so I don't, um, I will speculate a little bit here, because I don't know the exact price, but uh, I've got friends sometimes who work in, uh, or a member at Third Space, for example, and I think it can go up to quite high, like £150 or something like that. But you can also get, you've got the chains of gyms. 
uh, like Pure Gym in the UK, for example, where they have very reduced rates, don't they? I think which is like twenties, thirties, forties kind of pounds a month, depending on what level of membership you get. Yeah, I think it's also. I mean, you got Virgin Active, which is this kind of brand where you got often a swimming pool stuff like that. Yeah, it's um. There is uh, many, many, many options in London and uh, with different, you know, range of price. You got like Virgin Active, which is like a mix of uh, spa and uh, gym floor uh, area. It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's up to you regarding a budget. Uh, third space is nice, uh, expensive. So, you know, if you have the money, uh, why not? It's, uh, do you need, you know, you ask, do you need like uh, to be a gym member to get fit? Well, I would say yes in a city, you know, or you can also be, because there's other option like being a member of a runner club, uh, a rugby club, a football club. The idea is to remain active, physically active. A gym floor is a possibility, uh, of course. And uh, yeah, in a city, I would say like, member of a gym it's quite useful yeah so i think it also comes down to what you want to achieve what your goals are if you don't have access to equipment at home and let's be honest you're talking about cardio equipment and weights there or resistance machines of course you can buy that kind of stuff and put it in your garage if you've got one but a lot of people don't have that kind of additional space So if you do buy that equipment, inevitably it's going to, you know, clog up your home. And are you going to be motivated enough to use it on a regular basis? For me, going to the gym is about having access to the equipment I need when I need it. And also there's a motivational and a structured element to it. If you pay, in my experience, for a service or a subscription, you're going to be motivated to use it. Otherwise, you're wasting your money. And then once you get into the routine of training at a gym, you get that, you know, value in terms of your fitness out of it. And then there's a social element on top. For me personally, I can't think of anything worse than training at my home on my own. I think we had enough of that during the lockdown nightmare, didn't we, really? Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a dead end solution to work at home because the idea is to get out of home. So, and uh, also I can't, I'm a sport person and I it's I love playing rugby, I love playing tennis and all that and a lot of people love doing that. But be aware that when you get older and you don't have to get that old, it's just like there's a very important things to do or to avoid injury. It's um to reinforce your body to be able to practice uh, the outdoor activity you love. And you know, football, uh, rugby, tennis, all these things, you need to go in the gym, you need to go in the gym, not like every single day, but just sometime to uh, just walk your, you know, your legs muscle, just to make sure uh, muscles are drilled around your joints, you know, to support this outdoor activity. And, uh, and I will also say that spending the whole week at the gym will, might give you a wrong um, perspective or um, feeling of being fit. Uh, being fit is not being able to live as much weight as you can. It's the capacity to reproduce any thoughts. And that's where aerobic is important stuff. But yeah, I would say um, uh, a gym membership is, uh, is a good investment. Yes, indeed. So I hope that's useful for you, Bambi 7. Uh, I wonder what happened to Bambi 6. Bambi 6 might be out there, actually, now we uh, are talking about it. So next up, uh, yeah, so I hope that's useful. So next up, uh, I do believe it's Julian with the following question. Next up, we have a question from Paola, who has sent us this question. I'm in my 40s and I have two children. My son lives at home and said I should start exercising to lose weight. What's the best way to start and keep going? Well, there you are. This is quite a challenge, funnily enough, for a lot of people, which is they reach the point where they realize they are carrying too much weight and they need to do something about it. But shifting it is a challenge, particularly as you get older. It's not so difficult when you're young because your metabolism is completely different. But as you get older, the mountain gets a bit more difficult to climb. What do you think, Julian? 
So, yeah, obviously, Paola, your, chil- your children are a little bit harsh on you, but, you know, they probably say it with uh, uh, care. But uh, So, yeah, if you want to lose weight, what's the best way? It's, you know, I don't know you enough to say, like, you should go to the gym, you should do that. And fine, when you were younger, we all practice an activity somehow, like a, a sport activity, physical activity. It could be dancing, it could be, I don't know, running, it could be so many different things. If you could go back to that first law, if I can say, uh, that would be a start. Then among that, if you venture in a gym, I would say my advice is there is different option. Uh, the most expensive option is to book a personal trainer because hourly, per hourly and per session, you will pay something. Now, uh, if one of your friends is uh, love training, that could be your training partner and that's a very cheap way to get uh, into it. And then another option, which is in between the training partner and the PT session, is a class. You should go into class for beginner because I will give you um, uh, an idea of what is a physical activity in a gym. It's a mix of frequency, regularity, and to do so, you need to exercise in two, three different ways. One can happen in a gym, another one can happen outdoor, and uh, this is important, you know, to mix because in getting older, we are trying to, it's easier to create pattern. So we need to train not necessarily heavier and harder, but more often. So that's very important to understand that. So yeah, um, I hope I give you a good option here. Give yourself option, but choose at first an option you like. Otherwise, obviously, you're not going to stick to it. Yes, Paola, give yourself options. Options are always good. You're in the driving seat. You make the decisions. So there you go, everybody. That's our two questions for the month answered. I hope that was useful for you, particularly for you, Bambi7. I'm a bit fascinated by your little username or your handle there. And remember, if you want to get in touch, just go to our socials or our websites, drop us a line. We read everything that comes in and um, who knows, you might end up having your question answered on the podcast. So there you go, Julian, on this wonderful early summer day, another episode of the podcast wrapped up for the month. Once again, we want to say thank you to Matt Dale. It was fantastic that you took the time to sit down with Julian and talk personal trainer talk. What are we doing next month on the podcast, Julian? Next month, it will be an exercise episode and we might uh, train someone as well. That's right. Next month, uh, which we tend to do a split between interviews and exercise routines or combos on the podcast. Next month, we may even be exercising with somebody else on the podcast it's quite exciting we'll let you know how that goes and if it doesn't happen perhaps it will happen a little bit later but we're hoping it might happen uh so if you are interested in building up your portfolio of exercises check out the next episode and in the meantime feel free to get in touch about the conversations on this episode of the podcast and on that note we say to you you lovely lovely listeners enjoy your workout Thank mm-hmm. you.